The title of this morning's message is Jesus Fulfilled the Law of Sin and Death. As I was preparing the message last time I ministered, which was about Jesus being hard-pressed but not abandoned by his Father, I kept coming to the question in my mind, what exactly did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Yes, now I know what exactly he accomplished on the cross, but I had more questions. But the answer I kept coming to my mind was he fulfilled the law of sin and death. And I had never looked at it that way. Now we know Jesus fulfilled the law. He was a man born under the law. He fulfilled the entire law. He did it perfectly. He fulfilled the law. But he also fulfilled the law of sin and death on our behalf. So this morning we're going to look at the law of sin and death and how Jesus both fulfilled it and triumphed over it and how what he did applies to us today. To understand the law of sin and death, we need to begin by understanding what a law is, scientifically speaking. A law is something that has an observable phenomenon that remains the same all of the time, without exception. We probably best understand the concept of a law and how it works through the law of gravity. Gravity is a law. We never have to worry that gravity is going to somehow just cease one day and we're all going to float off <laughs> into space. We know it's a law. It works everywhere every time, all the time. No exceptions. That's the way to understand a law. Gravity is actually a force that pulls everything towards the center of the Earth. It is constant and predictable. There are no exceptions at all, ever. Gravity pulls on everything all the time. I like that. Most of the time we don't really think about gravity because it's such a natural part of our life. But we do know that what goes up is going to come down eventually because gravity always works. But the truth is we're always resisting gravity. Every movement we make resists gravity. I was reading an article by Watchman Nee and I really like the picture he painted for me with this. If you pick up a book, okay, and I hold it out here, I am resisting the law of gravity. Because the longer I stand here with this out here, guess what? This appears to get heavier. <laughs> and I have to apply more resistance. Even though nothing's changed, it starts to feel heavier. Because what it is, is I'm actually feeling the law at work. The law of gravity is pulling on my book. So I have to use more power to get it back up. That's a really good way to understand the law of sin and death. We don't really think about gravity until we purposely resist it, and we don't think about the law of sin and death unless we're resisting it. But it is constantly at work applying its force to all human beings, pulling humanity in the direction of its center, which is death. So how did, exactly did the law of sin and death get started? Well, it all happened in a garden. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I thought it was interesting. It doesn't say if you eat of it. <laughs> it's kind of like God knew in advance. <laughs> when you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Now he doesn't call it the law of sin and death. But that's exactly what it was. He was saying sin brings death, period. No exceptions. It's a law. So even though he doesn't use that verbiage, that's exactly what it is. So God told Adam that when he sinned, he would actually experience this law. He probably even knew that he would activate the law of sin and death. 
So when Adam ate, sin brought him death. Adam didn't immediately fall over and physically die, but he did nonetheless die. He was what we call separated from his life source. If you think of a freshly cut flower, today is Mother's Day. There's going to be lots of freshly cut flowers given out today. Lots of moms are getting flowers. But the flowers they're getting are actually dead. <laughs> now, we don't think of it that way, but the truth is they were cut from their life source. So when you get that lovely bouquet of dead flowers, just say thank you. <laughs> but that's a really good picture of what happened to Adam. You see, his life source was cut, but he looked like he was still living. Now, his life source was so good, it took him 930 years to get around to physically dying. <laughs> he had the good stuff. <laughs> so, he didn't look dead, but he was dead. Both he and Eve were instantly cut off from their life source, which was God. Now, most people recognize death as a separation of the spirit from the body. But God says that's not what death is. Death is separation of the human spirit from the God spirit. That's what happened to him. He cut his life source. God says he himself is the only real life there is. We think we're living. Truth is, unless you have Christ, you haven't begun to actually live. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus was speaking, and he says this, let me tell you, this is what eternal life is, that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word there, know, is ginosko. It means to know by experience. It has the connotation of intimacy. Adam knew Eve. He's saying, look, apart from me, you haven't even gotten any life yet. We're still freshly cut flowers until we come to Christ. So when Adam ate of the tree, the law of sin and death was enacted over all of humanity. It would have been nice if it could have just stopped with Adam. <laughs> but the reason it continued over all of humanity is because God had already put another law in place as well, the law of the seed. The law of the seed says you can only reproduce after your own kind. So here you have a human who has the ability to reproduce, but he can only reproduce after his own kind. Freshly cut flowers. <laughs> they look really good, but they're actually really dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. This is Paul speaking, and he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. All of mankind was in the same boat. Everyone was dead in trespasses and sins. Now the law of sin and death acts just like the law of gravity. It pulls. It has a force. It exerts a force that always works the same way in every situation and every human being. The law of sin is always pulling humanity towards that which produces more of the same. More death, more sin, more death. And it ends up in every area of our life. It can end up in our physical body, our emotional realm, our financial realm, our relational realm, and our spiritual realm. It's everywhere. It affects everything. There are no exceptions. <laughs> the law of sin is death. <laughs> you don't get anything other than death through sin. 
In Romans 5, beginning in verse 12, it says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who would to come. He's making the point, you don't need a law in order to be in sin. Because <laughs> the only one who had a law until Moses was Adam. Don't eat of that tree. There were no other laws. None that we're told about. So they weren't breaking laws. But yet he says death still reigned because the law of sin and death had already been enacted. And because you can only produce after your kind, <laughs> you only produce freshly cut flowers, <laughs> which means everybody's dead. And that just brings more sin and more death. And that was his point. You don't need a law in order to be a sinner. He said that the law was not counted against them. Now what's interesting is, sin got so bad <laughs> that God says, okay, sin brings death. Let's just do this all at one crack. And he sent the flood. <laughs> he wasn't going to wait for them all to die because he was down to one family he could actually use to bring forth the Messiah. So he says, okay, the only way to stop the law of sin and death is to physically die. And that's what happened. Now, you can actually hinder sin with law. Mankind did have the power to resist this gravitational pull of sin, just as we can resist gravity. But they didn't have any power to reverse this law or to change this law. So what God did is he gave them the law of Moses. The law of Moses actually restricted sin. Paul tells us, look, I wouldn't have even known what sin was had there not been a law. He says the law actually told them, look, these are your boundaries. These are your parameters. Inside the parameters is blessing. Outside the parameters is cursing. Stay in the parameters. We call it covenant. <laughs> Stay in here. And what is the fruit of staying in covenant? Everything good. The law of sin and death ceases to affect you in every area of your life. You're still going to die, but you get to live outside of this law through the law of covenant. In Romans 7, this is the Apostle Paul, he says this, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? And with the grace message, you hear that a lot. You're throwing away the law. <laughs> What's the matter with you people? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. The law does exactly what the law was designed to do. Point out what sin is so that you can go, Oh my, there's a law at work in my life that says I have to sin. And sin brings death, not just physically, but in every area of my life. I'm stuck under this law, this law of gravity, that I can't get out of. That's what the law was supposed to do. So it helped them identify what behaviors led to death in their lives. Because death isn't just physical death. Death isn't just spiritual death. Death is what happens when God's not involved. You only get life through Christ. Life in every area of your life. Now, God knew the Israelites would not be able to stay inside the lines <laughs> because that law of sin and death was always working in them, always pulling on them. So God knew they weren't going to be able to stay inside the box of covenant, so he gave them the sacrificial system. He says the law of sin and death requires death. So I'm going to give you this sacrificial system so that your sins are dealt with in a just and righteous way and you don't have to die. Because sin requires death, sin produces death, sin is a law that always brings death. 
And so he says, we're going to use the law to our advantage. We're going to substitute a little lammy for you. So the little lammy will pay the penalty of death, and you get to be outside of this law of sin and death, working in every area of your life. And it also enabled them to stay alive and have a relationship with God, which was also good. So under the old covenant, it was a requirement for them to be able to get out from underneath the law of sin and death to have a substitute. So this is where we see the substitutionary idea of salvation. Jesus came to actually fulfill the law of sin and death. You see, if we died, we're already dead. And we die, we just stay dead. <laughs> it doesn't help. And that was the problem, is to get people to stay alive. So Jesus became the substitute for all of mankind. Just as the innocent lamb was the substitute for the old covenant worshiper, Jesus is the substitute for the new covenant worshiper. The power of sin, sin's gravitational pull, came to an end on the cross for all who will believe. Jesus died to take away all sin for all people for all time, but he took it into death in order to purposely fulfill the law of sin and death, just like God did with the flood. He says, you're all running amok, <laughs> and I have only one family left I can work with. I'm going to start over. I'm going to put the law of sin and death to stop it from infecting this last family by fulfilling the law of sin that brings death. <laughs> so that's basically what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He purposely fulfilled the law of sin and death as our substitute. Just like the lamb was the substitute and the worshiper went free, so in the new covenant, Jesus is the substitute. He takes our death, and we go free. Now, because Jesus was sinless, he was the only person who could actually do this and rise from the dead, because sin always brings death. If Jesus had any sin in him, if he had been sinful in any way, he would have stayed in the grave. He was the only one who could carry or bear our sins to death so that we could go free. Death could not hold him because... If there is no sin, there is no death. There is nothing in Jesus for death to hold on to. In John 14, verse 30, it says this. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world cometh, but he hath nothing in me. Because Jesus was never a freshly cut flower. He was never uh, separated from his father. He never sinned. He could then go into death, take the sin into death, and still come out alive. He's the only one who could do it. Through the cross, the power of the law of sin and death was truly conquered. You could even say that God outsmarted Satan using the same law he had used on Adam. God used the same law, the law of sin and death. God just used what was there to bring forth life. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, God raised him, Jesus, up loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I shall not be shaken. David has this ability to when he's writing, God uses him prophetically. And this is one of his prayers, and it is prophetic regarding Christ. And he goes on, Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about this patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. 
Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Jesus triumphed over sin and death by taking them both into the grave and leaving them there. (laughs) When he took sin, he took death. Because it was a law. Sin brought death. So Jesus didn't just conquer sin for us. Jesus conquered death for us. This is good news. (laughs) This is really good news. Of course, he was raised up by the power of resurrection, the resurrection power of God himself. The victory over the law of sin and death was completely complete. Completely complete. You see, because we're no longer under the sentence of sin, we're no longer under the sentence of death either. Now, our bodies, we will unzip them one day and go home. (laughs) But death has no power, not anywhere in our life. Remember, the law of sin and death affected every part of their lives. The law of sin and death has no business affecting any part of our life. But we need to learn how to participate in this victory that Jesus did for us. So how do we participate? The only thing that stops the law of sin and death and its constant gravitational pull is physical death. Now that could be a problem. (laughs) So in order to be free from the power and the law of sin and death, we have to die too. See, it isn't just about what Jesus did for us. It's about what Jesus did as us. Without Jesus, we were in big trouble. Now, if we were to, outside of Christ, If the freshly cut flower people die, they stay dead. They live in the realm of the dead. We call it the realm of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. So death is just a door. When they go through, nothing changes. It's not good. So us dying does not alleviate the law of sin and death. It just becomes complete. Just like it took Adam 930 years (laughs) to get to death, eventually every freshly cut flower person dies completely. And God says complete death is eternal separation. Not a good thing. So human beings dying isn't the answer. People sacrificing children on altars is not the answer. Human sacrifice is not the answer. So what Jesus did was he did for us what we could not do ourselves. Jesus not only took our sins to the cross, he took us, the freshly cut flower people. He took you and me. The Father took us and put us in Christ. We were freshly cut flower. We had no life in ourselves, and he took us completely into death in Christ. The old freshly cut flower guy inside of us, he was infected with sin and dominated by the law of sin and death. And the only way for the old guy inside of us to be free from sin's constant gravitational pull was for him to die. Jesus, because of his great love for us, provided us with a complete and perfect death, burial, and resurrection that we could participate in. And how do we participate in his death, burial, and resurrection? By faith. When we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ's death. This isn't just a picture. This just isn't just a nice idea. This is a spiritual reality. It's true. You will never die. You're going to unzip your physical suit, but you are never going to die. You've done all the dying you're going to do. Now, you may think, well, so what? (laughs) When we get the revelation 
that the law of sin and death no more has the gravitational pull on us to drag us into sin, to drag us into death itself, when that becomes a reality, it changes everything in your life. So what happens is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus' death, and he kills us. Killed us dead, just like Jesus. Killed us. The old guy inside of me died, completely dead. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. This begins right after Paul says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And it goes on to say this, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That's the argument you hear about grace these days. I'm under grace. Get to sin as much as I want. No, you don't. There's a whole new law at work inside of you. The law of sin and death no longer has power over you. It says this, by no means, how can we who died still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You were buried. We had a funeral. It lasted about that long. <laughs> but there was a funeral. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk in newness of life, because we too have been raised to life by the glory of the Father. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, both spiritually and physically. We know that our old self was crucified in him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death no longer has dominion over us. We are permanently alive. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because if you don't know that the law of sin and death is done, it's dead, and that you died with it, you're a whole new guy. No more freshly cut flowers. We are deeply rooted in Christ Jesus. We cannot be pulled up. <laughs> if you don't know the reality, then you're going to let Satan push you around. You're going to let him use this law of sin and death, entice you with sin, so he can start bringing death into your life. So he says, you must consider yourselves. The King James says, reckon. Reckon means to say the same thing as. When we reckon our checkbook, our checkbook and our bank have to say the same thing. Why? Because it's the truth. We have to get past the idea that this is just a nice idea, that the truth is, I died. I really died. <laughs> There's no more taking me away from God. There's no more separation from God. I died. The old freshly cut flower died, and I'm a new life in Christ Jesus. And it goes on, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And I like this. You notice what it doesn't say? Do not let sin reign in your spirit, man. Where does sin try to reign? In your mortal body. Why? Because it's still going to go through the process of death. It's going to go through that door. So that's the only place he can get to you. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. I like this again, but present yourselves to God. Why doesn't he say, don't present yourselves to sin? Because you're alive. 
your spirit man is not available for him to get a hold of you. Sin and death cannot overtake life. We are alive. We have the life of God. You can't kill God. We are one spirit with God. We're never going to die. (laughs) So we can't present the real us to sin. Now we can present our members, but the law of sin and death is always working, like gravity, always working. If we start presenting our members to sin, we're going to start seeing death in our lives. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Why? For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Not only did we die with Christ to this law of sin and death, but through his resurrection life, he gave us a new law that is at work in us all the time. And it has a completely different gravitational pull. It pulls us towards life and life more abundant. It is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.2 says this, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. This makes me really happy. (laughs) Do you know any prodigals? I know some prodigals. And I was asking the Lord recently, Lord, I love my prodigals. Uh, But they're prodigals. (laughs) They're presenting their members, Lord. (laughs) How do I pray for them? And the Lord said, there is a new law at work that works all the time, and it's on the inside of them. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You see, they can present their members, and they're going to reap what they sow in this life. But there's a new law on the inside that's pulling them all the time towards life, towards God, towards grace. It's pulling on them all the time. They can't run forever. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is working and it's not overcomable. (laughs) So sin is no longer our problem. It's not inside anymore. I have a new law. Jesus completely took care of both sin and death. But Satan wants us to think that sin is our problem. I spent literally years trying to overcome the gravitational pull of sin and death in my own life. Then one day, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus was at work in me, announced to me, but it was pulling me towards the truth, pulling me towards the answers I was looking for. You see, I had lots of wrong stuff up here, (laughs) but that law was at work inside of me, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And one day, it pulled me into a seminar, (laughs) and it was a healing seminar, and what I learned there literally changed my life forever. What I learned was this. Everything I do or don't do comes directly out of what I believe in my heart. When I really got the revelation of this, I quit trying to overcome sin. You see, that's the trick. Sin comes knocking and says, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. (laughs) And if you keep dealing with sin, it's going to get you because you can't overcome the power of sin in your own strength. You'll just keep falling into the same pit over and over and over again. But the new law always pulls us towards life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit always brings us into life and life more abundant. So what I learned was I was presenting my members in the wrong direction. I was looking at my problem that was trying to beset me 
trying to overcome it. Wrong. Present your members. <laughs> the members I needed to present was my mind and my heart. I needed to have a new mind and a new heart. God had already given me a new heart, but I had so much junk in my mind, <laughs> it had to be renewed. And when I realized sin is not my problem, hallelujah, sin, that's not even the problem anymore. I was like, all I got to do is figure out what's going on in my heart. Really? All this praying and fasting and reading, none of it helped me overcome sin. None of it. But when I presented my members, my heart and my mind to God and said, what am I believing that's wrong? You see, some of the things we believe, they're so small. They're teeny tiny little lies. Here's one of the best ones. I can't. I'm not strong enough. This is one of Satan's favorites. I'm not good enough. I always fail. I'll never be able to overcome this. When those things are in your heart, Satan doesn't have to do anything to you. You'll do it to yourself. Because what is in your heart shows up in your life. And that's what was happening. When I started presenting my members to God, God, my heart, my mind, what's the truth? Because, see, we have all that inside self-talk all the time. I can't. I'll never. I'm not. And it's only when we come to the truth in Jesus Christ, and he says, but baby, I made you good enough. I made you righteous. I made you powerful. I made you strong. You are a whole new person. No more cut flower people for you. You are brand new in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing impossible with you and God. It was a different change of mind and heart. You see, I could know the truth in my head all day long, but until it becomes a revelation in my heart, it's just knowledge. And it helps me. It's like with the Israelites. The law helped them. Knowing the truth helps us, but what really helps us is the constant pull of the Holy Spirit, the constant pull of the gravitational pull of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus who will always lead us into the truth. Romans 6.11 says this, so you also must, 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 you must consider yourselves dead to sin. The law and sin and death no longer has dominion over us. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. We must consider ourselves of having literally died. Not just figuratively. Not just as a concept. This has got to become a reality to us. That sin and death has no dominion in my life because it doesn't. We must believe that the truth of the law of sin and death no longer has any power or dominion over us because if there is no sin, there is no dominion. If there is no sin, then there is no death. We are sinless in Christ. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Our body will go through the doorway of death, but our born-again inside guy is one with Jesus Christ forever. Whatever we are when we die is what we are forever. I already died in Christ, so forever I'm in Christ. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is constantly pulling us towards more and more life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a brand new life and a brand new law at work in us. A brand new gravitational pull, praise God. And we are forever free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your truth. 
I thank you for this brand new law on the inside of me. I thank you that even when my mind may be going one direction, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is pulling me towards you all the time, pulling me into the truth and pulling me into life and pulling me into love and pulling me always in your truth and in your image and in your power. Father God, I thank you for this truth. I ask, Lord, that it become more and more real to us, that when something presents itself as sin to us, we recognize that it is just death in a pretty package. It's all it is. Father God, and that we recognize that death literally, literally has no more power over us. We get to decide when we go home. Sin and death doesn't get to decide. We get to decide because we are led by the Holy Spirit. We have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And you said that we can live until we're satisfied, that you would satisfy us with long life. So Father God, I ask that you cause these truths to become deeply rooted in our heart that we have already died. We're never going to die again. Our body will fall away, but you're going to even redeem that so that nothing that you've redeemed stays in death. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and that it is always working inside of us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.